Hello and welcome to the Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, we are talking with Top Chef's very own Renee Kelly. We will be discussing what it takes to transition after a business disappointment or failure and how to bounce back and continue to become the best version of you. Welcome, Renee. Hello. How are you? I am good. We are so excited you are here. I am I am equally excited to be here. Trust me. We, um, I think you may be our very first TV star in this seat. So Ooh, darling. And listen... You're not the only one with reality TV experience here. I did an episode of Eliminate, so same thing, less cooking, worse men, not the same at all. No, but it's okay. It's okay. Mine didn't transition into a career, weirdly, but it's fine. But I'm super excited to hear about it. Um, But first, we always do a segment called The Shake. Let's see who is shaking shit up this week. So The Mm. Shake is the part of the show where we highlight a few amazing women nationally and locally, and I think this is even globally today, that are shaking shit up, making great moves in business, and creating a better world with their passion. This week, we are looking at a article. Did you read this article Christian sent over from thesun.co.uk? Um, maybe, maybe okay. about four inspiring women who have, who had to go through a lot. They kind of went through a failure to become successful. Did you see this? Mm, it's okay. Yeah. Not everyone does their homework. Yep. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. So what I found very interesting is all of our, all of our listeners know Christian is kind of the, the, the voice behind the voice, I guess. Right. So she always sends, she always finds something that she feels maybe relates to your to what we're going to talk about with you today, you don't need okay. to pull out your. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be an interactive <laughs> participant here. Hold on. Oh, thank you. So we, there were four different women they highlighted, and this was over in the UK. But I think a lot of times, if we're talking anywhere, they're very similar to how we do business here. Mm-hmm. So, I started reading through it, and no kids, right? For you, no kids, no husband, no boyfriend, no dogs. I have like twelve plants, if that counts. Living the dream life. Ah, pretty much. (laughs) Don't let my kids hear that, Uh, or my fiance. Um, So the top three really focused on all four of these women were mothers, but the top three, I I found this interesting because I knew you had new kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through my own set of, you know, been a single mom for 11 years, all mm-hmm. of that, right? And my motivation to always move on was my kids, right? Like, and that's what these top three. However, the fourth one, although she says she has kids, it was barely like a blip on her screen, right? Right. Um, it was more about just wanting to move on past, past where she had been and she had been a ballet um, dancer, her career ended with an injury and she became an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my kind of question to you is, I think it's pretty easy for everybody to understand, you know, when you have, when you have failures, especially in business and when it comes to monetary, mm-hmm. like they always talk about your why, your why, your why, right? That's right. easy when you have kids. Right. So what happens when you don't have kids? <laughs> what becomes your why? What you mean? What's the excuse? No, not Excuse okay. the, the motivation, I would say. Oh, okay. So the... You don't have to tell me why you don't have kids. I get that. <laughs> okay. But I mean, when you don't have a person that you legitimately are in charge of putting food in their mouth, mm-hmm. whether you're a chef or not, right? Like, we just do a lot more talk about. <laughs> right. Like, what is the motivation to get up with a failure and keep moving on? What, for you? Uh, to be absolutely 100% true to myself. Okay. Period. And how do you keep that up? Because I always think being... 
true to ourselves is the hardest thing. We always break promises to ourselves first. Um, we do. So uh, that's that's been difficult. Um, you can call it a demon if you really want to. Yeah. But um, it's it's to prove to yourself that you can do it. Okay. And also that you can figure it out. Allow yourself choice and change, and you have the power. You have the power within you <laughs> um, to figure it out. You okay. are. I mean, absolutely. Um, uh, success probably roots from uh, my family, and like th- there is there is no option for failure. So okay. so it's Just like no. Yeah, I mean, since we were since we were kids, I mean, success is the only option, and um, so yeah, failures mm, are more lessons. Do you think that you have then? lived in a fear of disappointing your family? Um, you know, I used to, uh, because there's, there's standards mm-hmm. and, um, I kind of took a step back at my career and I'm, I'm kind of taking a step back and looking at it right now. And what I found is, um, I allowed everyone else, society, you name it, family, uh, boyfriends, to um, squeeze me into a box, whatever that box is. So what it is to be female, what it is to be a chef, what it is to be a restaurant owner, what it is to be a part of my family. Just shoving me into a box and to the point where I was so freaking unhappy that I, I fought to get out as, as much as I could. And then when I stopped fighting and I just said, no, I'm going to choose something that's for me. It became a whole hell of a lot easier. How long ago was that? <laughs> uh, technically three years ago. Um, <laughs> was this before or after Top Chef? Uh, n- a, a little bit before. Okay. Um, and Top Chef was an interesting uh, experience. I learned yeah. a lot. I learned exactly what I needed to learn. But what I really enjoyed, I might have gotten kicked off really soon. So what I really enjoyed was the time away. Okay. That's what I enjoyed. In your own little in my own space. Own like I made myself do yoga every morning and I went back and I I drew. I hadn't been able to draw and be that creative in probably 10 years. Oh, wow. So I sat down, I drew, I meditated, I wrote all of this fun stuff that I'd put on the back burner mm-hmm. for so freaking long because I had to be successful in this business that maybe I really didn't want to be a part of to begin with. Did anybody ever tell you you had to be successful or you do that to yourself? Oh my God, that was myself. Like, let's talk about, let's talk about this. So when I was, uh, my, my brothers went to Catholic high school and they changed from public school when I guess ninth grade. So Mm -hmm. they went over as freshmen in high school to Catholic school. And you know, there's a grading scale difference that's phenomenal and remarkable and they did not do very well. So me as a fifth grader saw this. And I was like, Mom, um, I would like to Are go. Are you the, the youngest? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Okay. Um, I would like to go to Catholic school earlier so I don't fail in high school. So you're doing that to yourself. Oh, yeah. It's totally myself. Yeah. It's totally myself. Why do you think you're like that? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. Two older brothers? Two older brothers. It's, it's funny because the person that we had, um, we had... Maria Flynn on last week, two older brothers, execs. You guys are very opposite people. <laughs> She's very reserved, quiet. I have to pull stuff out of her. Uh, you not so much, but you both have two older brothers, mm-hmm. youngest being a girl, and you both went in with that mindset. So I wonder if it just is more of a 
an environment thing when you're growing up with two older brothers. Maybe it is. I mean, we always, um, like we play basketball and I always secretly really wanted to beat them in basketball, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, come on. They're, they're two older, very strong, very muscular dudes. Like there's no way two against one, no way, not going to (laughs) happen. So, I mean, it definitely kept me driven, um, but also in the family upbringing, it was, no, you can. You can do whatever you want to. If you want straight A's, freaking go get straight A's. Yeah. If you want to have a D, mm, well, don't apply yourself. Yeah. You know, whatever. And it's, you know, my parents were um, gracious enough to give us that leeway to be like, you know, you probably should do good in class. Like, pay attention. Do good. Um, but if, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. If, but you just said, so I'm going to push back a little on yep, you. Yep, go for it. You just said... I feel like we're getting conflicting. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this. You just said that for a long time your driving force was your family was driven, driven, Mm -hmm. driven. Do your best, do your best, do your best. But then they were also laid back. So was it more your interpretation? Um, So it's absolutely my interpretation when I was a kid. Absolutely. Because now that I can look back at it as an adult, they really weren't assholes. Yeah. They really weren't. (laughs) They were very nurturing and loving and caring. And even my brothers, like when I got my first C, like jumped up and down and did cartwheels. They're like, finally, you're human. (laughs) So, you know, that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah, probably as a kid, um, it was like, I had to be perfect and I had to prove to myself and everyone else that I was the brainiac in the family. Yeah, and now that I'm an adult, I'm like this free spirited. Yeah, you know, can I go? Can I go paint on a wall someplace and cook people food? That'd be amazing. That's so funny how that that comes out. Okay, so let me let's read your bio really quick. Oh God, I want to get into your bio, and then I have lots of questions. Okay, that we, but I want everyone to know who we're talking about. So. Okay, so (laughs) Chef Renee Kelly is a small-town girl that loves all things authentic. She believes that life is best lived in full truth and has every intention of doing so. She believes that life is best lived authentically and has every intention of doing so. Oh, I said that twice. I'm so sorry. (laughs) She really believes it, okay? Her passion lies in creating genuine connections with everything she touches, and she wants to share it throughout the world like wildfire. Mm -hmm. With her unrelenting pursuit of joy and her fun-focused attitude, Renee hopes to convey her passion for the the world of culinary arts, food, cultured, and women's empowerment. Renee embraces the beauty of being a woman with both strength and femininity and leads into this courage to spread the message of empowerment to women from all walks of life. Kansas City's uber-local chef of harvest, creating a living, breathing fabric of sustainability through her knowledge and playful nature. So, woo! Who wrote that? That sounds really good. That's amazing. It's <laughs> good. Feel, feel free to steal that. Um, okay, so that covers a lot. So I'm just going to start from the beginning. Okay. I feel like when I mention your name, because I've been bragging on who we're going to have on the show, and you're one of the people that people really light up at. Mm-hmm. People say one of two things about you. I don't hear any of this. She lives authentically. And this isn't saying that you don't do this. I right. think this is awesome. Right. <laughs> they say, oh, the girl from Top Chef. Yes. Or, oh, the girl with the castle. Right? Because yes. you're, you've had a restaurant for years called Harvest that's in an old castle here in Kansas City. Yes. So for our listeners in Kansas City, it's pretty awesome. After this, we're going to talk about some engagement pictures. She doesn't know that's why I really pulled her in here. <laughs> Just kidding. Not to put you on the spot. No. Um, but you, those are the two things that... Mm-hmm. I hear when I hear your name. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that you don't do this, all this awesome other stuff. But I feel like those are the kind of places where you've resonated with people. Mm-hmm. So I want to start here with Top Chef because I have some awesome questions and not necessarily about the show itself, okay. but, but about the effects of being on the show. Got right? It. Yep. Okay. So grew up in Kansas City. Yes. Okay. Parents still married. Yes. 
Any childhood trauma? Uh, no. Okay. No? I don't think so. No, that you don't think so. I don't, like, I, I don't know. Okay. Just mostly hard on yourself? Just mostly hard on myself. Okay. Yeah. There's, like, no physical accidents, no, like, emotional, uh, no, no. Pretty, pretty cool life. Like, I, I was very lucky. Okay. Grew up in the, out in the middle of nowhere with 30 acres, a pond, like, five dogs. I always wanted a horse. Could that be a trauma? <laughs> I wanted a horse, and I didn't get a freaking horse. If you'd listen to our podcast, you'd say no. <laughs> Listen to some of the other people on here before. <laughs> Probably not. Um, I wouldn't say they would. No, like I'm. I am super lucky. But you were, yeah, you were very blessed to have a good life. Yeah. Okay. Super lucky. So, then you come into adulthood, right? And mm. did you know right away you wanted to be a chef? Wait, am I an adult? <laughs> You're getting a little close. <laughs> About my age, right? <laughs> we're we're getting really close. Okay, cool. <laughs> did you always know you wanted to be a chef? Uh, no, absolutely not. So I wanted to be a doctor. I, I know, what? right? I'm okay. super fascinated with biology and cells and molecules and DNA. And when I was going to school, that's when they first started the, the genome project. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mind blown. To college or to high school? In high school. In high school. Yeah. Okay. Mind blown. I want to know more about this. And so my science teachers would always give me extra articles to read about DNA mm -hmm. and about cloning and it, like, what are the possibilities? And I was like, I want to go study that. That would be amazing. Um, so I applied at Texas A&M because for some reason I thought that I was going to marry a cowboy. Did you grow up on that farm? There are no cowboys You wanted a horse, cowboys have I know. Cowboys have horses. All I, I wanted to satiate the need from when I was five. Okay. That's all that was. Um, so I got into their biomedical science program right oh, out of wow. the gate, which is like, I used to be super smart. Um, you still are. Uh, maybe. I don't know. A lot of those brain cells have gone away due to my alcohol consumption, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and when I got um, into college, something just wasn't right. Yeah. Like I came from a small um, high school, St. Thomas Aquinas here okay. in Kansas City. And uh, I went to Texas A&M. It was freaking gigantic. Mm -hmm. And it was very different. People don't think that that culture, Texas, Texas culture is not different than Kansas City culture. Very different. I was... Um, I think the farther south you get in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very tall, kind of a big boned girl, bright red hair. Um, I'm not uh, tiny. I don't wear Wrangler jeans. I, at that point, I did not have a pair of cowboy boots. Um, Where are you going to ride your horse? Right. How was I going to ride my horse to begin with? Maybe I just put it off. I was like, I don't even want the pair to tempt me. <laughs> so very different. But then also I noticed uh, I would, I totally failed at chemistry lab, or excuse me, I failed at chemistry lecture. Okay. Totally failed. And I was reading and I was doing the homework and I'm like, something is not right. And chemistry lab aced it. And so I took a minute and I asked my roommates who happened to be in the same um, field of study. I was like, do you, do you get this thing that we're reading? Like what? And she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, da, 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 da. And she could read so super quick and retain the information. And so college taught me I have difficulties reading and comprehending. Mm -hmm. College. So going back to I was always pushing myself is probably because I was trying to prove to myself that I could absorb the information mm -hmm. and I could be smart. So did you stick it out? No, absolutely <laughs> not. So I was down at Texas A&M also when Bonfire fell, oh, and that was yeah. a huge, huge kind of social catastrophe. And um, I that was the first time I remember thinking, 
man, I'm going to lose some of my friends. Man, do I really want to be this miserable trying to study to be a doctor? Like, I, I don't think that I want to be a really good doctor if, like, year one is so difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. So what'd you do? Uh, I quit. And? I quit. And I called my parents uh, with a solution. Okay. With a solution, um, because I made a list myself of what I liked and what I disliked, um, what I missed when I was down at A&M. And what I missed was cooking for all of my friends and family. Okay. That's what I missed. Were you doing that a lot in high school? Uh, yes, okay. all the time. Are you kidding me? My brothers had really hot friends, and I knew how to cook. <laughs> so, of course, I did that all the time in high school. Um, so um, I was like, I'm going to go to culinary school. And this was before the Food Network was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would make zero money. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. So I told, I called my parents and I told them, Hey, I'm dropping out of Texas A&M. And by the way, I'm going to culinary school and you can't stop me. Where at, where are you going to school? Uh, the Art Institute of Houston. So okay. I still stayed, stayed in Texas because okay. I did not want to come back to Kansas City. Yeah. And shocker, yeah. I've been back for a really long time. I was never coming back. Either. Yeah. Texas here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Um, so instead of like getting a pushback from my parents, they just laughed over the phone and said, well, what took you so long? So So they knew. Okay. I just didn't want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, being a doctor sounds fancy, you Mm -hmm. know? And we're around the same age, so you're more creative, right? Which just comes into the cooking part, too. Yes. I think that we are that generation that people say, go to college, get a good job, pay off the bills, which are nothing. Absolutely. And then you can do all that stuff later. Yeah. So I, I completely understand that. It's a lot different than I think I'm raising my kids or mm-hmm. that this generation's being raised. Now it's due. So it's nice that you have parents that kind of supported that. They totally did. Like, actually, they they were so gracious enough to be like, okay, we can help you pay for college, but do you really have to become a doctor? <laughs> like, could we talk about this time frame and the money? Because you're going to have to kick in, like, now. So um, they were actually quite relieved when I'm like, hey, it's only, like, two and a half years of culinary school. What do you guys think about that? So you went there, completed culinary school? Completed culinary school, and for the first time, uh, school was easy. I was okay. I was the kid in class that everybody wanted help from. I just breezed through everything. I just got it. Like, yeah. it just finally, my cells and my brain were like, whew, this is, like, break time. So I graduated with honors. Um, and I held down a full-time job. So I was like busy 90 to hundred hours a week and I just breezed through it. What was the dream? Like when you, the day you entered culinary school, what was the dream? Um, fun fact. I was the only person in class that did not want my own restaurant. Yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was basically to have, um, kind of a social club okay. where it would be a set preview menu, maybe only open four days a week and your name had to be on the list in order to get through the door. Oh, wow. Did so uh, we were getting close. Oh, we okay. were getting so close. We um, we were open about three days a week. Um, when we opened up uh, Canaan Castle, it, we did events. And then I would host wine dinners and beer dinners and scotch tastings and prefi menus and things of that nature. So those prefi menus started coming around more and more often. So we did that about three days a week. Okay. And then the economy collapsed. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. 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 So, and God bless Kansas City because- How long have you had the restaurant then? Oh, since 2003. Is that when you bought the castle? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
It was a baby. It was back when they were loaning money to like anybody. anybody. And, you know, uh, one of the bankers came back and was like, hey, you're worth $5 million. And I'm like, where? I'll take your castle. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> where am I worth $5 million? And can I just have that in cash? Yeah. Like, I don't need a building. I don't need anything. They like, were just handing out money. To- they were handing out money to everybody. But it sounds like you made it through. Yeah. I mean, you didn't lose your castle. So. No, no, no. We didn't. We definitely did not lose the castle. But there were some uh, things that I had to do like way too many weddings yeah. for my taste buds. Not into weddings? No, no. I, I made cakes for a while. Just random fact. Oh. I dec- <laughs> Nobody knows this. I taught the cake decorating classes at Michael's right after my pregnancy. Everyone in this room looks so shocked. Um, That's awesome. I did a bride once, one time. Yeah, it's horrific, right? Yeah, I stuck to birthdays and groom's cakes and stuff like that, but a wedding cake, just dealing with a bride oh. was a nightmare, so I don't know how. you. Mm. Now, your place is great for wedding. I can see it being a smart business decision. But it, Absolutely. It was a smart business decision, and it lent itself to many memories, but man, on that emotional level, whew, I'm still calloused. Yeah. Like if somebody asked, like if the perfect man asked me to get married right now, I'd be like, no. Do you think? Okay, let's explore this. Okay. So 2003, you were early 20s, right? Yeah. So obviously nobody should get married in their early 20s. Obviously. Personal opinion. (laughs) Sorry. I suck at that. Christian's weddings working out really well for her. She's been married since her early 20s. She's she's still in her early 20s. Fine. Be that way, Christian. Some people it works out for. John's been with his... His uh, wife since high school, but it's cool. It's most fine. people should you know not what? be in their. It's fifty percent outcome yeah, right 50%. here. Fifty percent. However, do you think seeing what you saw in your early twenties in that industry uh-huh. played a part in today still not being all about? getting married. Absolutely. Because it is ridiculous. I saw so many people walk through my doors that should not be getting married. Yeah. And they, are probably divorced. And are probably divorced right now. They wanted the pomp and circumstances. They did not actually love the person. Neither one of them were in love yeah. with each other. And whatever that means, you know, and you could tell from a mile away that they would not be each other's teammate yeah. for the rest of their life. And I'm like, you know what? I would rather be old, curmudgeon-y, single, live in a shoe with 18 dogs and 12 cats <laughs> and out in the middle of freaking nowhere. Would you have a horse? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, with the freaking horse, maybe two horses, um, than be unhappy with one person. Okay, so we're going to get back to the other stuff, but... Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I get it. However, I also know a lot of really old people, right, as my friends' parents get older. And it's almost like the minute one parent dies, the other parent quickly starts another relationship. Absolutely. Because there's plenty of studies out there that say the the secret of living longer is to have someone to do it with. Even if they're your friend, your best friend, Mm -hmm. something like that. So at what point do you – let's start with this. What does it take for a man to say – wait a minute, I am a teammate, quit pushing back. And at what point do you think that you'll let some of those walls down? Um, at the point that they realize that I do not require them. Do you think that you choose men that aren't going to realize that on purpose? Um, to some degree, you yes. You a little bit younger from what I've seen, uh, <laughs> which I did for a long time, so I get it right. And obviously the younger you go, the less commitment – Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, so for for the longest time, I dated older. 
Okay. I dated, um, so in my 20s, I always dated late 30s. In my early 30s, I always dated 50s. Oh, wow. Late 40s, early 50s. And they were looking for a relationship. And I was like, first, you need a therapist. Yeah. And then we can talk. So, um, yeah, now that um, I'm a little bit older, I right now I actually want to have fun. Okay. And so I have no desire or requirement to be in a long-term relationship like right now. But you don't think you can find someone? And I'm not a dating coach, okay? Okay, I cool. I literally cool. just turned 38 and got engaged, like had two <laughs> kids out of wedlock. Like I am no dating coach, and I was living the same life mm-hmm. one year ago today, right? Yes. I had these kids. And then I literally found somebody mm-hmm. that I could have fun with. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you he went through shit and shit and shit to get to the point where I would even be like, he probably still is. Yeah. And he's so supportive. He'll listen to this podcast. <laughs> and he'll come and be like, I know you said nice things, right? Without saying I told you so. But he, I I don't know how it happened, but I did figure out I can have this person and still have fun, right? right. What does that look like if somebody comes into your life that might be that person? Uh-huh. What walls do you put up or what do they have to do to get around those? Just in case your dream man's listening. Oh, just in case my dream man is listening. Um, that you let those down. And why do you have those when your parents have been married for how how long? I know. Uh, oh, gosh. Since they were like 19 and 20, I think. And so there's Brothers almost married? 40 years. Yep. Brothers are married, still married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have okay. really great examples. It's just my so, stupid business. So what business. happened? And- it's just my stupid business that happened. the wedding? You think it was 100% it was the wedding? all of the weddings that I saw and how people behaved and how people treated each other. Like, I was like, this is freaking ridiculous. I don't want any part of it. Um, also, I may have had uh, a really, maybe, possibly the one when I was really young. And mm-hmm. it just, it, not in this lifetime. Yeah. So. Um, now, I'll tell you something. I, th- this is not about me, but <laughs> I believed that too. And it's really weird. I have this conversation. I haven't had this conversation with anybody except my babes, my best friend, because she's the only person uh-huh. at this point in my life that remembers my one, right. my, the one, my best friend young. as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like there is a time, mm-hmm. a timing issue when it comes to relationships. Absolutely. Right? It wasn't our time. It wasn't your time. Nope. However, randomly, my fiance now, there are many things that he does, some some traits he has and mm-hmm. some different um, actions he take that trigger that memory of the of who I thought was the one. Right. And so I've kind of put myself in a mindset that like maybe who I thought was the one was setting me up for when it was the right time to be able to accept those things. Because I was too young to accept those kind gestures mm-hmm. and stuff back then. Mm-hmm. However, now that I've been through all the shit, right? Right. Now I see those as kind gestures, and it reminds me of him, but in a way, like, maybe that was just setting me up for this. Ditto to all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, every person that I've dated has shown me a little bit more and a little bit closer to maybe my partner. So you think you'll recognize that when he comes along? God, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's had to wait a really long time for me to show my face, so... <laughs> I'm going to ask you the question I'm not supposed to ask you already. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) It's fine and dandy to say you're so awesome being single. And I do believe you 95%. Oh, I like that. That's a good odds. There's five. There's got to be 5% in there. Then you're like, just show your face, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would love to hang out with my best friend for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I would love it. Is that Um, a girl? Uh, that, that would be a guy okay. like that. I mean, is he married? 
Oh, I'm sorry. My actual best friend is a girl. Oh. It's a girl. Oh, but right. yeah, I really? mean. Oh, I you're know. saying your best friend that you're going to find. One yes, day. my okay, best friend it. that I would find. Very yes, so sorry about that. Is she married? Okay. <laughs> she has married and she has two beautiful okay. children. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, um, so what does that look like? Like, I love that you're this strong, confident woman. Right. And I think that we need that. But I also think that mm. sometimes people are stronger and more confident on the outside than the inside allows. And when we don't address that, that we overcompensate, right? Uh, yeah, to some degree. Absolutely. So um, I am kind of soft and mushy on the inside and I am super hypersensitive, mm-hmm. uh, but I've kind of melded, you know, you have like this strong, I am woman, hear me roar exterior. And then you have what used to be like so soft and mushy. Like it was, it was like water. It wasn't yeah. even like pudding, <laughs> you know? So as I've gotten a little bit older, I've um, kind of melded those together. So it's kind of like, more like silly putty texture, you know. <laughs> I like it. It's yeah. not it's not mashed potatoes. It's like silly putty texture. Um, because in my, you know, previous previously when I was younger, um, I would allow guys to just kind of like run the life, and I would kind of be a pushover because in my business, there's no way. Yeah. You know, the axe dropped, and this is what was going to happen. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, by by doing that in my personal life, I wasn't being true to myself. And um, then I would, I would lessen myself, mm-hmm. and they would continue to run all over me. And then I would wake up one day, and I'd be like, who am I, and why the hell is he able to do what he's doing yeah. to me? screw this. I'm out. Like I'm done. So now that I know that that is kind of used to be my default mechanism, I can recognize that. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's not going to happen. So more and more, I have conversations with um, the man that I'm dating. Like, whoa, dude, that just pushed my button. Can we talk about this right now? Yeah. So you just address it. So I address it right then. That way there's no like, yeah, macerating and percolating over something that was actually really small. And it was just um, uh, poor communication because yeah. maybe what he really meant was so minute and minuscule or, or even a compliment. Yeah. And I took it completely incorrectly. Have you ever seen that um, skit where they're in the car and the woman's like, I wonder what he's thinking. I think he's going to break up with me. And he's like thinking about the oil changing. Right? Yeah. Like showing how men and women, that's kind of what that reminds me of. What does your life look like if you didn't do the wedding business? You married with kids now? Uh, ooh, no. I have been engaged three times. What? Right? Right. You're like the runaway bride. Uh, yes. So uh, there's that. <laughs> so um, I have been able to be, you know, I said yes. Like the first one I said yes to, and then he became an asshole and went into the Air Force Academy and blah, blah, blah. The second one I said yes, and then I immediately vomited. So I figured that I should probably not say yes. Yeah. Like I should get myself out of that. And then um, the third one is like more of a half because um, he had the ring in his pocket, and I told him not to get it out. <laughs> so Nice of you. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't in front of a ton of people. It was getting a little bit better. No, not in front of a ton of people. So it was great. It was just him and I. Um, so uh, no, and I think because f- it just wasn't. Okay, but so the next guy, mm-hmm. the guy that comes along, the guy. The guy. Don't make me marry you right away. <laughs> <laughs> How does he propose? Like that's a lot of pressure. Do you um, tell 
tell men you're dating about being engaged three times. Only if they ask. Otherwise, if it's just water. I, yeah. I ask a million questions to everybody I know. So <laughs> it always blows my mind when people just don't know stuff about like their significant other. So it's not something you offer up. No. See, I'm opposite. I offer up all my shit so you'll run right now before I get attached. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Run. You might try it. It worked out. Maybe I should try it. It eventually worked out. To this day, I'm like, did I ever tell you this? He's like, I'm still not going anywhere. Right? Not that, I mean, it, was, it took a lot of, it was a numbers game, definitely. But um, yeah, that's interesting. That's scary for a guy. Um, super You're scary. a lot to handle for a guy. I'm a ton to handle for a guy. And that's why it's almost uh, steeper because yeah. I really, I've lived 38 years of my life yeah. not having a man beside me. I do not require one. I desire one. Yeah. And that's different. That means that little shit that you think that you're doing to make my life easier doesn't matter because I can do it myself. Yeah. I can do it myself. So all of those kind, caring things and allowing me to be me, those are way more important. I mean, if you take out the trash, great, good job, pat on the back. You should freaking be doing that. Yeah. Anyway, I like I can do it. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Thanks for taking that off of my plate. But by the way, I just washed your underwear. <laughs> you know, like, do I get a thanks for that? You, I mean, it's just kind of one of those yeah. things. So you definitely need someone that can keep up with you and at the same time handle you. Yeah. Lots and lots of energy, but allow me some space. Yeah. yeah. I think this guy you're dating is the one. Absolutely not. <laughs> Don't share this with him, please. <laughs> Don't share. Don't share this. Or wait a minute. I should say what guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're saying any dating inquiry. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about Top Chef. We started that. I don't know how we do it. Oh, let's do Top Chef. You got a... Uh, what year were you on Top Chef? Uh, 15. Okay. 16, 15, there 16. There was social media. Yeah. And I know that there was a hashtag created around your persona <gasps> chef, right? Yes. Um, what is, so I think it's one thing to be a person who has to deal with criticism in your own local city or because you <gasps> speak in front of 50 people. But when you're on a national show right. that is watched by millions of people right. and everyone's got social media on their phones, uh-huh. couldn't pay me enough. Right. What does that look like? What does it look like? Um, tell us a little bit of the story of, of, I guess, the public's persona of you uh-huh. and what uh-huh. it looks like digesting that, the good and the bad. Okay. And then how you move on from that. Um, okay. So. Sorry, I kicked you. That's okay. That's <laughs> like you were okay. single. I'm playing footsie. Like right now. <laughs> um, so the hashtag Sassy Chef came about because um, I was the last one to introduce myself at on the first episode. And it was, I was, you know, the 14 of 14. And it was, hi, I'm a James Beard nominee. Hi, I'm a James Beard nominee. Hi, I'm a James Beard nominee. Hi. And I was like, what? Like, I'm relatively self-taught. Like, I own a castle. Um, I, I'm not a in James. I know, in Kansas City. Like, I'm the only Midwest person there. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, well, I'm a writer. I'm all these other things besides a chef. So somebody had called me um, a sassy chef back here. And I and I apologize. I forget who you are. But um, at the very end, and you had to, okay, so let me paint you a visual. All of these chefs that are introducing themselves are wearing white, gray, or black. Okay. Nobody has 
any color. They look like they just drank a fifth of whiskey, and which maybe I should have. Not the PBR. You're no, drinking. yeah, not not the PBR <laughs> I'm drinking right now. I would have loved a fifth of whiskey <laughs> at that morning. So, um, and I'm in this bright blue shirt with like a fun green and navy scarf, and I have bright red hair. <laughs> you know, I'm on the last one, and I was like, "Hi, I'm the super sassy chef from Kansas City. I own my own restaurant that's in a castle, and I also write for the Kansas City Star." <laughs> Like, I had no idea what to tell these people. So um, hashtag sassy chef. And it was literally all of those 13 remaining heads go and turned and looked all the way down at me. And I'm like, yep, I could feel the hatred. Hello. How are you? You were still chosen to be on the show. I was still chosen. Yes. But you were standing there a little insecure because they were all James Beard. Well, oh, yeah. I don't even know what that means. Is that a And there's like, there's a weird energy with like all the cameras and all the lights. Mm -hmm. And then you get 14 people together that are also type A, super narcissistic and way insecure. You're, and you just, you collect all of this energy and you're just like, oh shit. Yeah. And most of it wasn't mine to begin with, but I was still feeling it. I'm like, I got to say something that's going to stick. And it did. Yeah. Ta-da. Hashtag sassy chef. <laughs> um, okay. So what was the question? So <laughs> obviously it caught a little bit of fire on yes. social media. Yes. Tell us the good, the bad, and how you how you process all um, that because the social media national thing is a whole different level I don't think people get. So um, all in all, it made me lose any type of faith in humanity. Um, humans Did, are... Are you managing your own social media at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, humans are nasty, ruthless. Especially behind a computer screen, right? Yeah, especially when they don't show their faces. Um, there's There were trolls, but I will tell you that I did not get the brunt of it. Okay. Um, the overall, I would say that 70% um, really kind of liked what I brought to the show. Okay. Which was great. You know, they wanted to know what shoes I was wearing and what mascara I use and what lipstick so I use. And it's so freaking weird, right? <laughs> and I was like, this is totally cool. <laughs> um, that's way better than, you know, whatever they could call me. Um, uh, so... Um, there were a couple of people that were really kind of mean, like, oh, she's just a pretty face. She doesn't have any talent. And I'm like, wait a minute. Somebody thinks that I'm pretty. <laughs> I love that you spun it like that. This I is awesome. think like that too, right? <laughs> Somebody thinks that I'm pretty. Uh, and in all actuality, the, um, the mass manipulation of our global media is totally real. Yeah. Totally real. I mean, the things that they were saying on social media, I was just like, you don't even know what actually happened. Yeah, they take a couple of minutes of hours and hours and hours and days. And yeah, days. and you, okay, so let me put you in a circumstance where you don't eat, you don't sleep, and you, as, you have as much alcohol as possible, and then none of your equipment works. Cool. You know what? You would you would not do well either. And um, there was a couple of times that there was some nastiness, like what you can't even sear a chicken breast or whatever that is. And I'm like, you know what? I bet this. Per- Sorry, all of you accountants. I bet this person's a freaking accountant. <laughs> and I would love it for a judge, for somebody in social media, to be right over that person's shoulder mm-hmm. every single freaking step of the way and tell them exactly what they're doing wrong when I don't have. 
an education. But you knew what you were signing up for, right? Kind of, sort of. Uh, and Did they prep you at all for what you were signing oh, up for? Oh, no, not really. Okay. So um, at the time that I went, I was working on the line um, in my own restaurant. I did not, I was not afforded the time or space to practice. Okay. And a lot of the contestants practiced. How did you get on? Uh, fun story. My customers got me on. So there is an article in USA Today that was um, top 10 restaurants to go see in Kansas City, and I wasn't on it. And my customer base was like, where's Renee Kelly at? You haven't been to Kansas City if you haven't been to Renee Kelly service, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Top Chef started Googling like top restaurants in the Midwest, and they had somebody that was from Kansas City. They're like, you should probably check out Kansas City. It's a growing culinary town. And they found my name. Okay. And they called. And you're just like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Well, it was it, it was like four weeks of interviews, and they flew okay. me out to California. And it's, if this is not a sign that I, I – I mean, like, the universe is telling me not to do it. So <laughs> – uh, absolutely. So um, I get the call from Top Chef, and it's like I split into two people. And uh, this person up here on my left side is like, no, what are you thinking about? Absolutely not. Don't do it. And then I saw myself and heard myself say yes. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Then when I went out to L.A. for the final um, interview process, it was really weird. I walked into the room, and it was very dark and heavy and and like, I'm like, God, your guys' lives suck. And when I left the room, everybody was happy and jovial and smiling and things like that. And I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm – okay, fine. That's that. Then I went up to my room. Uh, first of all, I, I tried to check in, and they couldn't find my name on check-in. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, maybe I, shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then I got up to my floor, and there was not one housekeeping cart in the hallway, but there were four diagonally stretched across the hallway to get to my room. Did someone die anyway? For I, <laughs> maybe me, maybe part of my soul. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, so that happened. And then I instantly got a migraine headache when I was there. And I'm like, I should probably not do this. And so I said yes anyway, <laughs> because why not? But do you regret it? Um, no, because it taught me a ton. Yeah. Do I wish that I did better? Yeah. What do you mean do better? Just not get kicked off so early? Yeah. Okay. Do you think getting kicked off early affected your your career? No. Because you're still thir- one of 13. Yeah. No. America. No. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I still have people who recognize me on the street all over the country. Yeah. They're like, hey, you're on. T- you're the sassy chef. They remember. So you're the you sassy chef. you that the universe was telling you not to do it? Ah, uh, because there were so many different obstacles before I, I'm like, okay, all right, this is interesting. I'm going to figure out why there's all of these obstacles right in front of me, but yet they totally want me. So it was like a, a clear pathway, yeah. except for it was in the desert with, you know, 140 degree sun. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, it was, it was an easy pathway just with a lot of obstacles that I didn't quite see. So we're supposed to be talking about, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm circling this around. Actually. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about um, business disappointment. Is Mm -hmm. that or failure? Is that what you consider your biggest disappointment or failure? Or do you consider your restaurant that you're moving away from your biggest disappointment or failure? Because I don't really see. I think they're just parts of your life. But what do you see? um, I definitely think that they are part of my journey. Mm -hmm. uh, Because 
did I have to choose to open up a restaurant? No. Yeah. Did I have to choose to be in hospitality? No. When you opened up the restaurant, did you think that was, this is it? This is my long term? Uh, kind of. Okay. Um, kind of, because there's, there's a certain point with a restaurant that you can kind of hand the reins over to somebody else mm-hmm. and then they can kind of take it from there. Uh, cause I was done with the weddings. It was impeding my, my social life, mm-hmm. obviously my relationships all over the place. So, um, but the fact that I chose that journey, um, really gave me a skill set that I would not be able to find any place else. Um, and it also pushed me to my extreme. So it's like going to boot camp for 14 years. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely pushed me to my extreme of what I could do, what I couldn't do, what I like, what I dislike, what makes me happy. It pushed me to step into my own power. Um, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be at this cool space that I am right now. Yeah. So, so where are you right now? <laughs> right now I'm actually having fun for once. Yeah. Um for once? None of for, that was fun? For no, I would say it was like a, a 70-30 split. Okay. okay. <laughs> but and and actually that's also a super cool place that I am at right now. Um I've found a lot more happiness and a lot more joy in my daily life, which I thought that I was happy. Um, but what I was doing, um, cooking for the masses and being in the wedding business, just it, I'm, I'm finished with it. What's next? So you have a chef taking over your space or using your space. Oh yeah. Yeah. Chef Shanita. Let me ask you this. What, what does that look like? Is she learning from you? Are you learning from her? There is. It is just a space that she gets to be herself in. Okay. Um, there's kind of an odd thing with all of my travels um, that I've done lately, and I've cooked in different states and different countries. Um, when I come back, that castle feels a little bit more different mm-hmm. and a little bit more different. There's a there's that separation has begun. Okay. Um, and yes, it's beautiful. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But it's time for somebody to make it their own beautiful, lovely, and amazing space. Yeah. So I am ready to step away from it. And instead of just, you know, the girl with the castle, it's the girl with the world. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Is she eventually going to take that space from you or are you just letting her try it out or? Um, Yeah, I'm just letting her try it out for right now. Um, And if it works, you know, if her customers really vibe with it, then awesome. Then, you know, uh, we talked about three months ago, um, kind of about the future and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. And I said, you know, if it works, then we can talk about a lease agreement. Like if you think that you can pull in enough people, then we can do it like that. If, If not, if that's not your cup of tea, if that's too restrictive then we'll keep it for sale and that's that's yeah. okay too. That's cool. It's a cool space. I went there for a bachelor tryout one time. Oh, which was awesome. Well, they served me a lot of champagne. It was a shit a, show very, because all of you drank so much. It was amazing. It made me really <laughs> – so the only reality show I'd ever been on – I take that back. I'd been on two reality shows, but one was just uh, – remember the old Brooke Burke show? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of Wild On or whatever that was called where they would show up at wherever you were partying and then also eliminate. And so that was a long before social media, long before the public had an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. You can't find it on YouTube to save your life because it's before YouTube. <laughs> uh, channel 62, and if you caught it at 11, you caught it at 11. Um, however, when we went to that Bachelor trial, it was a big, girlfriend, a big group of girlfriends of ours. Um, I think that made me see more like – Reality TV is not reality TV. Not at all. Do you think you knew that going into Top Chef, that it wasn't? I knew it in the back of my brain, Mm -hmm. but when I... 
when I was actually on the show, I was like, oh, 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 this is a whole new level of manipulation. Do you think it's weird how into it people get without really realizing that it's not reality, right? It's absolutely – no. Well, okay. Yes and no. Um, It's infuriating how much people believe it. If you're on the back end, you know what's not going on. Yeah. And and let's just start with the basics. Um, You're not fed and watered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just start with that. Yeah. And you're expected to perform and the equipment does not work. So let's just start there. Yeah. And, you know, they spin it like. They make their own storyline. You're the crappy chef. Yeah. And I'm like, no, bro. Like there is no fire underneath here. Oh, well, we'll we'll get you a lighter. And then 20 minutes later, there's a lighter. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how is that even okay? How is that cool? I don't realize how much it's spun. I even had a friend who's pretty successful in his career now retired but he did a season of the kardashians mm, oh. where they 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 portrayed him as a mentor to chris jenner awesome except for <laughs> he says to this day someone that had been big house in la mm-hmm. literally he's now sold his house but literally rents his house out to other reality shows to use right oh wow big deal right big time he says to this day I didn't know going into this reality show, which I kind of think Kardashians is the ultimate reality oh, show. Oh, right? God. How much it wasn't reality. Right. It's more scripted than than some scripts, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting that people still don't get that. They do not get it. And quite frankly, that show and other competition culinary shows are doing nothing for our industry. Yeah. They're, it's actually uh, making it worse. Really? Why do you think that? Um, well, these young bucks think that they can come in and – you know, go to culinary school and under two years, they can make him a star and make millions of dollars. Okay. But then you've got people like my six-year-old who wants to be a chef when she grows up, right? Yeah. Who would have no idea what a chef was if uh-huh. it wasn't for mini Top Chef, Top Chef Junior, whatever that one's called, right? Right. right. Now, I don't know how those kids do that anyways, because I don't even allow my kids to use knives. <laughs> but I'm like... Oh, you know those dancer parents? Yeah. 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 Same type of parents. You're saying it's ruining your industry. Yeah. Much like a lot of stuff I feel like ruins marketing industry. However, I think there's a plus side and a minus. You know, there is a plus side because we get exposed to a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, The minus side is the work ethic and the mortality rate uh, of our industry is way off kilter. So the expectations right now are when you come out of culinary school, you can make $80,000 a year and you can be on your own reality show. And then you can also, um, (laughs) right? I know. And then because of that reality show, because you're going to be a rock star, you know, um, you are going to make a millions of dollars. And the reality of it is when you come out of culinary school, you may make $11 an hour. You might get at your job at Applebee's being the head chef. You might. Which by the way, I love Applebee's. I know. Right. So, I mean, if we've had this talk, we we have had this conversation. (laughs) That was a compliment to Applebee's. Not sour cream and raisin (laughs) pie. Um, so, um, and, and the reality of it is, is that the mortality rate of a chef right now is in, anywhere between five and eight years. Wow. At five and eight years, you just become an expert at becoming a chef. Oh, wow. Yeah, in real life. In real life. Yeah. Um, so when you look at reality TV and becoming a star and all of that fun stuff, um, it's like becoming a professional athlete. You are 1% of the 1%. Yeah. So the chances of it happening, 
ain't going to be bright. Aren't going to happen. So just do your thing. If you really love to cook, like I still love to cook. If you really love to cook, love to cook because you love to cook. Um, you're definitely not going to be in it for the money. Yeah. Um, and just be okay with that. You still like to cook for big groups like you did when you were mm, going into culinary school? That's negotiable. Yeah. Depends on the group. Yeah, it depends on the group. If they're getting married, hell no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to do my rehearsal. Kidding. We're getting married in Colorado. Just a joke. Okay, so what does your what what's the future look like? Um, Where do you go from here? I, that's, You've sold or not sold, but somebody else is using your restaurant space. Yeah. What what do you do next? And how do you see your next move as being the move that you had to go through all of the shit? <laughs> To be like, oh, I went through that to get here. What's I have a next like? move. Uh, okay, maybe. so <laughs> maybe. Um, we know it's not the current boyfriend. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my phone number is. Um, <laughs> Christian will test. Uh, okay, so my next move, um, it's quite interesting. Kind of going back to that doctor thing where I love biology and cells and molecules and things like that. So um, I love food as an assistance to your health. I love it. Okay. Love it, love it, love it. Well, and then if you go back, where does that food come from? It, it comes from the earth and it comes from the soil and it comes from these beautiful, lovely, amazing farmers. So in order to shine a spotlight on them through a podcast or a television show or whatever that is, that would be great. And also to teach workshops on how food is so powerful. Um, and food is energy and yeah. to kind of harness that and to teach people how to do that, that would be amazing. Um, while being super authentic, cause that's a part of your health and well being, yeah. and having fun and interjecting so much joy in your life. It's actually sickening. It's kind of annoying to what be joyful. What age were you when you felt the most authentic? Uh, between eight and 12. But then you went down your road of not being authentic. Yeah, I know. So what age were you when you felt like you could finally just be who you were and not please anyone and um, you were happy with all your decisions? Right now? Right now. <laughs> yeah. I think these past three years have been it for me. For so sure. yeah, probably about 35, 36. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Screw this. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the things that I really enjoy, the things that I like, the things that make me, me, because there's only one of me. Yeah. You know, there's a trillion of other people. Um, and as long as I still remain a great person, then I think that that's okay. So what is your advice to that 20 year old, 18, 19, 20 year old coming out of high school that wants to be a chef? <gasps> what is your advice to that, to that girl? Let's mm -hmm. just say girls, right? Cause that's your, that's your lane. Yeah. What's your advice to that girl to make sure that she doesn't have to wait till 35, 36 mm -hmm. to be happy to live her best life, to follow her dream as a chef without getting burnt out? Um, there are limitless possibilities in food. Yeah. Always remember that. Uh, being a chef on the line is only one avenue, and it's a very small avenue mm -hmm. to work with food and have that um, care and compassion for other people. So you can go into, um, you know, you can be a dietitian, you can be a food stylist, you can be a blogger, a writer, a personal chef. Um, you can cater private parties. You can do cooking classes. You can do so much. Um, and so watch when you start to get squeezed into a box, and you know it because it feels like somebody just stuck a dagger in your stomach. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. I mean, you know I it. You, yeah. And then people will be like, well, just deal with it. Just deal with it. Just buck up and deal with it. And to a certain degree, yeah, you're going to have to deal with some crap. Yeah. But when it gets to a point that you're like, this isn't right, 
get out. Get out. Get out. And you can still be true to yourself. You can still be a culinarian. You can still cook food because guess what? All of us got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on. Thank you. Um, we will make sure if anybody um, wants to get a hold of Chef Renee Kelly for a date, just get a hold of us. <laughs> but that is it for this week's cocktail hour. Do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? Do you know a woman in business who is shaking shit up? Send your recommendations to HeyGirl at CocktailHourPodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We share our stories to motivate and inspire you, so spread the love around. Until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour. Thanks, Renee. Yeah. <laughs>